Um, welcome to the to a West Seattle podcast. And the reason why I say West Seattle, a West Seattle podcast is because I'm sure there's a lot of other podcasts here in West Seattle. But I'm your host, Alex, one of the uh, I'm a local West Seattleite. I've been here. I've been in Seattle for about 20 plus years, West Seattle for about six and a local business owner and my co-host. Kick it your way, Phil. Thanks, Alex. Uh, I am Philip Tavel. I actually also moved here back in 1998. Been here a while. Now I've got a I've got a son here and a run for a city council position here as well. And I'm a lawyer in town and do a bunch of things locally with uh, community groups. And just wanted to do something to hopefully entertain some folks while we're quarantined, and maybe something that will continue back to when life gets uh, a little closer to normal again. Yeah, actually, it's kind of funny. It's, um, you know, both Phil, you and I kind of like quarantined at home, not much to do. One can only play so many video games, watch (laughs) so much TV. So we, you know, we thought this would be a fun little project for us to kind of just get our mind off things. And in general, talk about the community we live in and kind of how things are pushing through COVID. So I think this will be a fun podcast that hopefully we can do weekly. I agree. I mean, as we're all kind of stuck in place for the most part, I know I find myself just looking for content, looking for new things to listen to, read, play, watch. And uh, the one thing I'm noticing is there's not necessarily a lot of conversation around our neighborhood in West Seattle about things going on. So this seems like a great opportunity to talk about the neighborhood we know and love now, what we're going to do once we can uh, stop socially distancing, once there's a vaccine and other things out there. And in the meantime, just have fun and hopefully uh, entertain some people and start some conversations. Sounds great. So, um, you know, let's kick off the first topic. Um, The great thing about West Seattle is, um, which I've always loved as someone who, you know, lived on Capitol Hill for 15 plus years, um, the thing that I love about West Seattle is how close knit the community is. Like it really does have this insane sense of you belong to something special. And I love the way, you know, the neighbors are friendly. Everyone's always looking out for one another. And the one thing I've noticed during this COVID quarantine is how our community has really come through and really helped support first responders you know, people who've lost their jobs. So I, I thought, you know, maybe we could talk a little bit about some of the awesome people doing awesome things like um, your friend and my friend, Dan Austin. Yes, he's a he's a perfect person to start with, actually, at uh, out of his restaurant, Peel and Press uh, in the Morgan Junction. And he also owns uh, Flight Path in, Nor- in uh, Boulevard Park. Um, but out of Peel and Press, he has given away well over a thousand free meals to pizza uh to pizzas right yes <laughs> pizzas to people <laughs> but the meals have been going to people as opposed to other pizzas um i know yesterday morning i was actually at his place and uh they had worked to deal with the seattle police officers guild where they were giving out lunches uh to police officers who were coming in and and it was just great to see it it's great to see how much he gives back to the community that he's part of and he really loves it. And like you said, uh, it, it shows how close-knit we are. Um, and I know even sadly the other day, someone broke into his restaurant. And right away, people stepped up to help fix his door, fix his wall, help out, say that they're sorry. And so I love 
I love watching Dan uh, navigate those waters of, of giving back to his community and the fact that people remember what he does. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, me and my husband, almost every week, there's some story coming out and we're just completely blown away by his just the way he's able to gather, you know, people together to do some amazing things. So I, you know, Dan's also inspired and rounded up other businesses to help him with the free meals. So I know, I know Westy's been a part of it. Westy has teamed up with them and they've been together, you know, whether it's donating food to Dan to, you know, continue this operation of providing free meals. I know Mission Cantina, Peter over there has also teamed up with um dan to give out free meals do you know any of the other restaurants that uh, yeah out? the bridge was part of it i know rita uh joined in in that i know dave montour at west five has been part of that also uh phoenicia uh they've they've been jumping in as well i know they did some free pizzas um and what's cool is they've also been tying in a little bit with uh, the senior center the senior center has been doing a set of uh, free lunches for uh, senior center members and they've been uh, tying into some of the restaurants as well. Um, so, yeah. So in, and Dan, actually, one of the neat things I learned last year is every year at uh, Thanksgiving time, he actually gives out over a thousand pounds of free turkeys to the food bank. Wow. Yeah, actually, you know what? I actually do remember the West Seattle blog article on that this last year. Yeah, I mean, I just don't know how he does it. He has so much energy, first of all, to run his two businesses, but then he really just does a lot to contribute to the community. He does. He does. And and as I've learned, you know, doing things with him, it, it is incredible how many small business owners in West Seattle really do everything they can to go above and beyond and give back to the community. Um, I know a lot of the restaurants have uh, maintained hours and stayed open when it's been difficult and it's costing the owners, you know, money to do it. But whether it's giving out loans to people that work for them or giving people opportunity to do the to go stuff just to stay open, even if it isn't necessarily penciling out um, in the budget, it is working for them to be available, keeping people working and having a place for just some people to go even it is just to pick up a meal for a fun evening where you don't have to cook yeah and i want to make sure we don't forget another uh local business um non a uh, business nonprofit, i think um the seattle Eagles. oh yes because i know i know they've been i mean since day one of quarantine um and the shutdown they've been doing free uh, yes. dinners almost every single night um gabby's been one of the cooks out there that every single day she comes up with some meal and they've been doing i want to say about a hundred to about 150 meals a day that they give out for free and then that's been uh, a lot of donations so i know um maona uh -huh. donated a bunch of chicken and food um, we at Admiral Pub donated a bunch of stuff. And so businesses have been donating food that otherwise would have right. gone bad because we had to shut down. And so we were able to, you know, send over stuff that they could put to use right away. And um, so, yeah, I mean, that they've been doing. Oh, I know. Job. I love uh, following Jay Cates's posts on Facebook showing each day. I mean, the charcuterie plate they put out yesterday and biscuits and gravy and eggs benedict and mexican meals and pasta and oh i mean i'll tell you if if 
if I was in a different situation and didn't have a family that I was cooking for here at home, I would, uh, I would have taken some advantage of it, but it's amazing. The food looks incredible and the amount of goodwill that they are spreading through our community is fantastic. Yeah. And like when it first shutdown first happened, it was kind of funny because I would, you know, um, me and my husband both work at a bar. So like we, didn't really have a lot going for ourselves after shutdown. So we were showing up, you know, to both donate and pick up a free meal. And we would always run into Jay and a lot of other industry people there. And then it's just good to see that, you know, after going there for a while and, 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 you know, seeing Jay there also showing up to pick up a meal, but now he got behind the kitchen and now he's actually just, you know, he's just kicking <laughs> out meals with Gabby and everyone else. Yeah, I there. think that's very cool. In fact, I'm going to be, swinging by there tomorrow um, on another project that I'm working on West Seattle bridge. Now um, tomorrow, as long as the weather cooperates slightly, um, we're going to be uh, doing some filming for a, uh, a video that we're going to put on social media where we're going around and talking to all sorts of people that, you know, around West Seattle and uh, asking them what it is about the West Seattle bridge they need. Why do they need it? And how does it help them? But we're going to be there uh, at the Eagles to have uh, Jay and Gabby and hopefully a couple other people join us in that video. Awesome. I mean, speaking since we're since we're talking about the the bridge, um, let's talk about that a little bit. Why don't you tell me a little bit more around um, this effort that you're doing around bridge? Uh, yeah, West bridge Seattle now? Bridge now. Um, yeah, actually, it's kind of cool. So a few weeks ago, people may remember that uh, council members Alex Peterson and Lisa Herbold uh, put on a town hall through uh, Zoom and had Sam Zimbabwe, the head of uh, SDOT, and also Heather Marks, who's the one that is coordinating the bridge effort right now for uh, the Seattle Department of Transportation. And the day before that happened, I had been approached by two people I know in town, Kevin Brovillet and Amanda Kirk. They're both involved in the real estate industry, um, and they were really concerned about the bridge going down and what was going to happen. And so they started this thing, West Seattle Bridge Now, in a Facebook group. The next day, we all listened to the town hall that about 1,800 people took part in. And unfortunately, everybody walked away with the same feeling of, well, we didn't just learn anything new and we don't know how long we're going to be without a bridge. And we don't know if the water taxi is going to be expanded and if the ferry system is going to look to add ferries to get people from here downtown differently. And are they going to repair it? Are they going to replace it? And sort of on and on. And we decided that the people of West Seattle needed a stronger, louder voice. And so we wanted to use Facebook and social media to create kind of a megaphone so that the people here feeling a little frustrated, I mean, you're going through a pandemic already and then telling us that we're not going to have the West Seattle Bridge for one, two, three, four, five years. Um, and that the, you know, the supposed 75 year lifespan of the bridge is actually looking now like more maybe 10 years left before we have to replace it. And it, and it created a lot of frustration. And so from that, was born this group, West Seattle Bridge Now, and we've got a Facebook page and a Facebook group. And actually, we just passed 2,000 followers on the page. Um, and we have managed to, I think, elevate the voice of people here and some of the frustration and most importantly, make it constructive that, you know, we don't want to be just an angry group of people shouting, get us our bridge and what's going on. We really just want to say, 
please work with a sense of urgency, city of Seattle. Please communicate with us effectively. And let's get a little more information. And have some kind of plan. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, I, I try a lot not to think about the bridge only because the, like the headache and migraine that I get just thinking about life without that bridge is painful. Um, I live in an interesting part of West Seattle. Um, if you are coming back from downtown and you're trying to get to the junction or pretty much anywhere in West Seattle, you, you, it's, we live off of like marginal way, oh, yeah. you know how you turn on to Holden. Yeah. So it's turned our neighborhood into a war zone because no one wants to wait at that, those lights right there. So they, so they race through the neighborhoods. And so I want to say every single day, me and my roommates have been woken up by cars honking, loud music, you know, uh -huh. blasting from cars. Cause all of a sudden these perfectly quiet streets that never had cars, like, you know, at all hours, now have cars racing through there trying to avoid i get it trying to you know avoid two or three lights so they can quickly zoom over to wherever they need to be so um so i try not to think about it but every single day i'm reminded about this is going to be a disaster when things open up so i'm glad i'm glad for these organizations and for kind of what you're doing out there and I agree, it's not about just being angry. It's like, you know, we just want to have some answers, oh, totally. really. You know, if it's five years, it's five what? years. But what's the plan? You know, like, how, how is that going to roll out? And what are the temporary measures that we can do to kind of ease some of this? Yeah, so, you see, yeah, I mean, I'm that excited. is part of it. It's just it's everybody wants to know. And unfortunately, the way things went with the tunnel and the way things have gone on with the Capitol Hill streetcar, you know, I think we, we've uh, we've got a community that is questioning the level of trust to put into the process. Um, but I think I mean, what's nice is now the Chamber of Commerce, the port, the maritime industry, the neighborhood groups, the West Seattle Transportation Coalition, um, bike connections. I mean, all of the groups are actually coming together now to talk about this and to make sure that everybody's included, but that we know there's a plan and we know there's work going on. And, you know, kind of what is it? Because I know there was a there was an impromptu uh, town hall by the mayor yesterday. Um, and unfortunately, I think they only announced it a few hours before it happened. So hopefully West Seattle Bridge now and all the other groups will keep people informed and uh, we can make sure that we get away off of our uh, peninsula sooner rather than later. Yeah, for sure. I mean, all I know is that until until something's resolved, I am planning on not <laughs> leaving West Seattle at all. So the funny thing is I actually had to run up to Capitol Hill for a job interview, um, you know, all via social distancing. But, you know, they, they wanted me to, to at least meet me in person. And so we kept our distance yeah. and I had to just go interview. And uh, it took an hour and 10 minutes to get to the freeway once i hit the freeway um i was on capitol hill in like right five you know it was fast but i mean i was just like that was just a, a hint of it and the funny thing is it actually made me think like you know what i don't think i want this job <laughs> the thought of having to commute to downtown is just too painful right now so you know i'll be well i mean that actually brings us to, to the my next topic is um you know, I was looking for a job because of yep. COVID, right? You know, as a work, as someone who works at a bar, there really was no work to be 
you know, done or money to be made because that was, that's my entire livelihood. So, um, but now we're getting ready for um, phase two, which will be yep. launching. And, um, and so that's going to be very interesting because it's going to slowly, you know, give us a little bit more freedoms and allow, you know, some businesses to open up and allow us to kind of yeah. like get out of our houses. So uh, I'm kind of excited. Oh, I agree. That. I mean, and especially, well, also we have been so blessed with the weather that we've gotten through the spring so far. I mean, this has definitely made it possible to handle some of this. And I think now, you know, opening things back up, allowing for fishing, allowing to be out in the parks. And and the truth is, I think as long as we act together as a community to be intelligent about it, which means if you're going to end up indoors, wear a mask. It's not about you catching it. It's about you spreading it if you don't know if you've got it. And just practice good social distancing, wash your hands, don't touch your face too often, um, and do those things. I think we can start opening up. Yeah, and along those same things, I got two two things I want to say. One is it really, we don't talk about it too much. I saw this on a podcast, and it, it really did shine the light on the eye. Well, it made me think differently that, like, a lot of this is up to us to yes. not blow it and that i mean and by that i mean like i mean it's as a community it's up to us because if we're smart we're respectful we follow all the guidelines then our favorite you know restaurants won't close we won't be shut down again because a lot of these businesses including ours are kind of like yeah. barely holding on right and i, I i've sadly already heard from other businesses yep. who just won't be coming back because this this was the final nail in the coffin. You know, it was already tough enough to run um, a business with such, you know, with Seattle prices of, you know, leases and all that stuff and taxes that this was just the final nail in the coffin. And so, you know, for the restaurants that are still around, for all of our favorite local businesses, it's up to us to make sure that we follow these guidelines so that hopefully we won't have to um, go back into another shutdown and none of our, you know, none of the exactly. community will get sick. So we, we've just got to follow these guidelines. And, uh, and I think that's going to help us be. A healthy oh, I agree. Totally. I, I mean, it was funny as I was uh, drove along Alki Beach yesterday and there were a lot of people out. But what I'll say is everybody, for the most part, was was trying to be very good about distancing, about not crowding together and being on top of each other. But unfortunately, no one had a mask on. And it made me wonder if people think somehow the, you know, the idea of wearing a mask is meant to protect you from getting it, which, like I said before, it's mostly about not spreading it, especially if you don't know you have it. But that it made me feel that if people could just accept the fact that when we're going to go out and be near each other, which means you're going to go indoors somewhere or you're going to be in a fairly crowded space outdoors you just have to suck it up and wear a mask. Um, and that if we all do it, it will normalize that process. And it really will halt, you know, not halt the spread, but control it tremendously. In fact, the New York Times had an article about that today that, you know, the mask wearing is incredibly important. And we really need to start just embracing that if we want to open things up, we've got to be smart as a community. Yeah. And you know, that, that brings me to my second point that I wanted to um, topic. I mean, I guess suggestion or 
comment on. I don't understand why it wasn't a requirement. They should have made it a requirement. I think it would have been easy to just say, hey, you have to wear a mask in phase two, phase three. Until yeah, you see, and what's funny is King County announced that as of May 18th, so starting Monday on May 18th, you are kind of required to wear a mask, you know, and they're, they're okay. trying to be as forceful as possible without actually saying you must. Um, and I was on a Department of Neighborhoods yeah. call yesterday where they did, you know, they kind of clarified. They're like, look, unless your doctor tells you you can't wear a mask because of a breathing disorder you have or you're under two years of age, you need to wear it. Um, and so hopefully that'll start spreading. But I think, you know, the more of us that wear it when we go out and just demonstrate that this is smart and that this is the way we will help keeping people from getting sick. I, you know, I think it'll get around, but uh, I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping people embrace it a little bit more than they are right now. Yeah. And as a as a business owner, um, my biggest challenge is um, we're going to enforce it as a requirement to be inside our oh, um, bar slash restaurant, um, which is, which is gr- great for us because I think it's, it's the responsible thing to do. The downside is I think it would have been way easier for us had it just been a, uh, like a legal requirement, right. like had the state said you have to, um, but to make sure that's not a barrier to coming in and having a drink, um, I ended up buying like a oh, wow. thousand plus masks. So that if people don't show up with a mask, we'll be like, hey, this is the requirement, you know, at least to come into our establishment. But right. here's a free mask. So we're, we're hoping to do that because I just I just don't want, you know, I, I would feel devastated to know that someone, you know, that it somehow spread and that we were part of it. So I, we're, we're taking all the precautions as a business to make sure that we're going above and beyond what the, what the COVID See, requirements are. That's great. Are and I, like, I love it, actually, when I hear a business owner, especially in the hospitality industry, who's being caring and responsible about that. Um, I don't know if you had seen the story about what happened in South Korea in Seoul when they opened up their sort of nightclub bar and restaurant district. And they were managed. They, I think they managed to trace over 300 cases that came eventually from one guy um that this one guy going yeah. out and wow. about uh went to five different establishments over the course of the night and just spread it like crazy um and i know the mayor of seoul came out and said look we're trying we're trying to do this the best we can but people are gonna have to work with us um so i think it's one of those things that yep. what you're yep. saying is true that if the owners and the patrons alike are just smart, respectful, and, you know, do those few little things that will help. I, th- I think we can start to have an economy again that's moving. Yeah, yeah. Um, and speaking about slowly getting back to normal, yeah. which is going to be, it's going to be a challenge and it's going to be a journey, but we'll get there. Um, what are some things that you miss about West Seattle um, pre-COVID that you're kind of excited? Oh, man. To I mean, I, what's funny is I know it's going to be a while before I do this, but it's funny how many people I talk to, they just miss giving a hug to a friend, <laughs> you know, and, and granted that, that oh, might yeah. be next spring until I'm really doing that again. But um, I, I just look, I look forward to having 
more businesses open. So, you know, it's like when you go to Home Depot and you see there's 200 people there, you know, it makes you realize that maybe it's a little arbitrary that everything is shut down. So if we can manage in a grocery store and in a Home Depot and, you know, obviously in liquor, sh- in liquor shops and, and pot shops as well, if we can go into those, you know, with a mask and, and be careful, we should be able to do that around the place. So I just I look forward to seeing more places open again, even if it's limited and even if it's with distancing, just to make it feel like our community is going back to functioning and all the business owners that are just getting hit so hard right now. I mean, you know, having no revenue while still having to, you know, keep up with rent and other things, I, I feel for them. So it's some of the normality of actually walking down California Avenue and having just about every place open again would be wonderful. Yeah, for me, uh, there's a lot of things I miss. I miss, uh, you know, as, as a business owner, you a lot of your like regular customers kind of become family and, you know, you're like, Oh, there's, there's so-and-so, you know, having her red wine. There's, you know, you just see so many awesome faces. They see you, they smile because they're excited to see you. I smile because I'm excited to see them. And then all the great conversations you would have. And then aside from like, you know, my customers, which always made me happy seeing I also miss like sometimes I would get off work or I wouldn't be working and the late (laughs) night adventures (laughs) at the Maharaja bar. Oh my gosh. Bogey, one of my favorite bartenders of all time. I'd show up and I'd always run into, you know, just people in the industry. So I'd run into Jay Cates. I'd run into Dane from Matador. And, you know, you just run into so many good friends who also work in the same industry. And it was like that one place to decompress around 1 a.m., have a couple of drinks before going home and doing it all over again. So I cannot wait until that oh, opportunity. Nice. Yeah, to, no, that's uh, good. Actually, that, I mean, that, that reminds me, the single biggest thing that I can't wait to get back is back to trivia night. Um, I mean, you know, it's like I've, I've been doing it now for close to 12 years and yeah, do you know how many? Do you know what the count uh, is so, so far? I have on how done, many you've done. I have done five hundred and forty now. <laughs> wow, yeah. that's that's crazy. I can't even, I can't even imagine. I was running bingo at my establishment, and uh, lots of fun to run. Oh yeah, but also like tiring. <laughs> so I can't imagine having done five hundred and something. Oh, I know what was what was so funny is when it it was so sad when I finally had to shut because I had I had told every the last trivia night we had held back in early March. Um, you know, I'd said everybody that you know in, until we're locked down by the government, this is going to be going on. And then a couple of weeks later, I realized that well, I probably shouldn't be encouraging people to get together like this. And so, it was strange because it was the first the first time yep. in twelve years I've experienced three Wednesdays in a row without doing trivia. Um, but what was really cool is one of the teams, uh, SMRT, they actually started doing a Zoom trivia, and they invited me to come play, and I played. And so now. Uh, actually had two of the trivias trivia nights back and now that Tallarico's is open doing takeout uh, I've been telling people hey you can get a pizza to go and Tallarico's trivia is back on zoom at seven o'clock on Wednesdays that is awesome hey just a random idea Phil figure out how to do film yourself doing trivia 
and then find a way to be like you know to team up with Talrico so it's like you pick up your um you pick up your pizza your answer sheets and uh a link to this week's oh. trivia to take home to play with you and your friends i mean well, you and your family or whatever i i happen to be right. quarantined with my best friend and my husband so when i say you and you and your friends. I, right. I'm just thinking that's about right. myself because I actually live with my friends. But uh, actually, actually a that's a that's a fantastic idea. Do. I had I had already talked to them. We're going to start offering coupons as prizes when we're doing the trivia. Yeah. But I like the idea that go pick up, uh, you know, pick up the you know picture round or some hints or things, and actually tie it together with the physical space because. I miss it. I mean, you know, when I think about the fact that I've 540 nights of my life have spent two to three hours at Tallarico doing trivia and hanging out with everybody, uh, it's hard not to have that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can. Uh, I know. I know the feeling. There's, there's these things that I, I'm used to doing that I miss. And you know, I think when we started this, we had no idea this yeah. would go. I, yeah, I think nine weeks, eight weeks. But at least no, we it's can true. see that and, light at the You know, end luckily, of the and I've been following a lot of uh, a lot of the information out there from the NYU Langone Medical Center and from Johns Hopkins and the Mayo Clinic. And I know there's the group at Oxford uh, that is moving, you know, 100 miles an hour on a vaccine. And so hopefully between the testing and the vaccine and being smart that, you know, we will all get through this and return to a day where we can meet up at a Mariners game and, uh, you know, hug someone on the beach and uh, experience life again uh, closer than six feet away. Yep. Um, and I think that brings us to the final segment, which is let's talk about recommendations for the week. Um, what's something filled you have watched, read, a movie, TV show, a video game, something that you got into so far in quarantine that you fell in love with oh, that you'd well, recommend? The number one thing for me has got to be the Last Dance documentary about the 1997-98 Bulls. Um. Dude, <laughs> I have watched every episode with, it like, is, with immense that is joy. literally one of the most brilliantly made anythings I've ever watched. Um, you know, having been a, I mean, I was a New York Knicks fan, but I was a massive Michael Jordan fan and just getting to see everything from behind the scenes, but to watch him again and to think about, you know, the people who are younger that were never, ex you know, they were never exposed to him playing, getting to see just how transcendent he was, but but yeah, it's just the behind the scenes stuff is the best. That is that that podcast. I mean, not podcast. Uh, yeah. ESPN documentary has been absolutely amazing. For those of you at home, it's it's created by ESPN. You can find it on demand. I don't know if it's on Amazon, but if, if you have any kind of yep. cable service, if you just go to the ESPN channel it's under on demand and it's been going through his career with immense like you know just like this behind the scenes look and footage that hasn't been seen before interviews that haven't been seen before and on top of that last week's episode dealt with um oh the yes. bulls versus the sonics in the finals and that episode was so amazing because I was actually at one of those games because growing up, I'm born and raised here in Washington and uh, I was, grew up in Olympia and my best friend, him uh -huh. and his, uh, him and his family were kind of well nice. off. 
And oh. so they had season tickets, almost courtside. And, um, and so uh, my best friend was able to take one friend with him oh. to the finals and I got to go. So I, I, and I was the biggest, besides being a course, doesn't oh, matter who yeah. your team was. Everyone was a Michael Jordan fan, but oh. I was also such a huge Sean Kemp, Gary Payton. And so being able to see that last episode where they faced off against um, the Sonics just brought me just so like such a big smile to my face. So that is such a great documentary. I cannot, you know, I cannot stress if you have not seen it and you are any kind of a basketball fan or Michael Jordan fan, you that's yep. such a well watch. Yep. And I episodes think episodes nine and so ten are Sunday tomorrow the night, last Sunday. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think it'll it'll be available on demand for a while. And it is. Yeah, it is just amazing. I mean, from getting to watch how the teams came together in their two different runs at the three peats and just and I love I love the, you know, the unedited comments from Jordan and Pippen and Horace Grant and talking about the issues with Isaiah Thomas. And and it was really cool to see uh, Jordan's reaction about Gary Payton that clear. Yeah, just completely start laughing oh, yeah. because he just thought yeah. it was, so, yes, yes, was that, hilarious. That is my biggest recommendation to folks is to definitely go and watch Let's uh, The Last Dance. Um, my recommendation, uh, something that I've, um, I'm actually still working through right now is my husband had never seen oh. all the Star Trek series and movies. So we tackled it from the very beginning, uh, <laughs> watching him watch Wrath of Khan. And uh, just absolutely his mind was blown. And I just, it's so funny. It's like some of these like episodes, he's like, wow, the graphics are pretty good. I'm like, dude, we're not talking like the 60s or 50s. But, you know, <laughs> it's funny how he just expected the next generation to have such crappy graphics and then he'd see some episodes and like wow this is really good for the 90s i'm like dude it it wasn't that long ago um but he he we've you know we've watched we're on voyager right now and voyager's amazing of course and it's just been so great to actually me myself as a huge star trek fan just watching it and catching things i didn't catch before and then the most amazing news, the one thing oh. my husband has seen is Star Trek Discovery. Um, and so they just announced, was it two days ago, that um, the cast who portrayed Captain yep. Pike, um, number one, and Spock are getting their own yes. spinoff series, Star Trek Strange New Worlds. And so, um, you know, we're just, we're just kind of on a Star Trek kick right now and it's just been amazing um so actually as I'm doing this podcast you know my husband is continuing through the last season of Voyager right now totally in love with all the characters and so I highly recommend if you have a lot of time on your hands let's say you have kids and you're trying to find ways to entertain them or you're just solo um and looking for something to help make the time pass by you know start um, you know, start binging all of Star Trek again. Um, and, you know, where you start up to you, you know, you could go real traditional and go um, not traditional. Yep. You could go like in order. So I guess it would be Enterprise first. The one, oh, yeah. yep. um, I forgot the actor's name, Scott Bakula. You know, you could yep. be you could Enterprise, which technically is a prequel to the original Star Trek series. And then yep. I guess you would go to Discovery. 
because that's right. before Captain Kirk takes over the Enterprise, and then you would go over to Enterprise and then Next Gen, and so yeah, we've just been powering through it all. It's been such a fun trip to just fun. you know binge yeah, watch I three say, or four episodes, it, I, and I love both Discovery and now. Did you see the new Picard series? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely blown away. Um, I, I apologize if you're not a huge <laughs> sci-fi geek, but Just still, a little. And I apparently are. <laughs> I am so excited. I, I, the Picard was amazing. Um, I'm excited for the second season of Picard. You know, they're getting ready to do the Below's Deck cartoon, um, which is from the creators of Rick and Morty. It's going to be yep. in the same universe as Picard. And um, it's about the crew who kind of works below deck. You know, these would be like the people <laughs> running the teleporters or moving right. uh, freight, you know, around. And there was actually a famous episode, Next Gen, last season called um, oh, Below yeah. Decks. And it focused on these young ensigns, you know. And then, yeah, so it, that's the same concept. So they're actually doing a whole series based on kind of like the right. other people you don't really see on a show you know so the people right. who are keeping the ship running i guess you could say that's you know, great maybe the cooks and stuff like that and so that's going to be yep. exciting so yeah in general so much great star trek so much good sci-fi i've been able to just completely engulf myself in it during um quarantine and i'm almost done with it so just in time for all the hard oh, work no that's going to go into yeah, phase no, two and opening i, I up mean i will say that we are quite blessed in the sense that while we've had to lock down the world of streaming entertainment is just, I mean, it lets you be entertained. I know I've talked to people that uh, what was, what was interesting is back in 1918 during the, the Spanish flu epidemic. Um, I actually, uh, I guess I had learned from my grandmother that her oldest brother had actually passed away during that. Um, and I remember heard just telling stories about oh, wow. you know a lot of that it, it was just you know it was surreal for them but they didn't have any forms of entertainment beyond you know books and a little bit of live music <laughs> so much easier now <laughs> yeah yeah awesome well phil i think this wraps up our first episode yes. of a West Seattle podcast. Um, you have any uh, last-minute messages most to thing, um, remember to might be, listening? be nice to everybody and you know work together in this. You know, if you're thinking about prowling someone's car and breaking in, please don't. That's not nice for anybody. <laughs> and you know, it's it's just one of those things that remember: the more our community <laughs> sticks together, the more we get through this with as little pain as humanly possible. Yep. And my only thing I would add to that would be, um, you know, thank you so much for listening. And if you have any questions for us or any suggestions of what you would like us to talk about in next week's episode, um, just feel free to leave them in the comments uh, wherever you see, uh, wherever you find this podcast, leave it in the comments below. We'll kind of spread it through the regular West Seattle communities. And Sounds good. And Alex, good job. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.